Are we recording? We're recording! <laughs> Yay! Yay! What's up, everybody? It is episode... Episode what? Episode six <laughs> of Hear No Evil, which is super awesome. And what's even more awesome is I'm recording with my best friend in the whole entire world today. Whitney is in the house! Hello, hello! How are you today, my love? I am wonderful as always. Mm. How has your day been? You know, it's been all right. Um, as as much as I love my job as an educator, I am very much looking forward to school being over because e-learning sucks it's ass. It's rough. It sucks. It's so rough. I can't even imagine how hard it's been on the kids. Like, ugh. Yeah. No, I, it's not fun. It's I, definitely not fun at all. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. So... I have chosen Whitney to be my guest host today, not only because she's like one of the best people I know in the whole entire world. She's super smart, super funny, super beautiful. She is the, but she also has, she holds a special place in my heart as the official den mother and leader. Well, not leader, but you're kind of like the, um, what, what word would, what is your role in the Necronomicult? <laughs> I have, I officially, besides Down Mother, have been called the Cult Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems accurate. Called, yeah, I've been, I, I am just, I think I'm just like the Cult Intern to... The Cult Intern? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> just, uh, I'm just the Cult Regulator, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. So, okay, so Whitney, um, when I have people on the show, I always open up with a few questions just to... Um, uh, you know, have the people get to know you. And you've listened to my other episodes before, right? Religiously. <laughs> so you I might have missed a one. See, she's an actual, like, this girl, she will hype you up. She will be there for you. She will support the fuck out of you. Like, get you a Whitney. If you don't have one, get you one. Um, but not me because I'm Danny. But sorry, not, not this sorry, Whitney not because sorry. this Whitney is mine. Exactly. Oh, Lorda, I need to silence my cell phone. Okay. <laughs> so, question number one. Um, do you have any favorite true crime movies or TV shows? I have to say there's not much true crime I haven't watched. Mm -hmm. um, I watch a lot of documentaries on serial killers. It's, um, it, yes. it is truthfully like my... My vice, like it's when I'm having a bad day. Yeah, I'm gonna throw on like, or like a what else? Like those uh, real life like locked up kind of shows, or like oh, they show the prisoners those are and crazy. explain their history. And yeah, I, I love those shows. I love it. Um, and you always end up like learning about a prisoner who you're like, man, they seem like a good person. Why are they there? And it makes you sad. <laughs> I so when I watch, I am a killer. Oh, that's a good show. I would say a handful of them I have Googled and taken a deep dive into their history and yeah. their actual case. And there's probably a few of them that I truthfully believe are wrongfully convicted, but I can't 
yeah. say that. I don't, I wasn't there. Right, not, right. But on either side, yeah. I can only look at what I see. And there's probably a few of them I truly believe should not be in prison. Have you and watched? I hope they get justice one day. Oh, absolutely. Um, did you watch Making a Murderer back when that was popular? Um, no, that's oh. something I haven't watched. Oh, I was about to ask. Yeah, Mindhunter is great. Yeah, I was about to ask if you thought Stephen Avery was guilty or not, because I am of I'm of the opinion that he is not guilty. But uh, should I get out my Google machine? My Google machine, yeah. Or just definitely watch Making a Murderer at some point. And then, of course, um, the reason Whitney and I are such good friends and met each other. <gasps> oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, now you know what I'm talking I about. Did. Yes, I yes, did. Stephen okay. Avery, yeah. I 100% believe Stephen Avery is innocent. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, I think that they wanted, they needed somebody, they wanted him, and they made it. Mm-hmm. They made it him. They made it. They made it him, and they it worked in their favor, and it absolutely, yeah. absolutely is horrible. There aren't there aren't a there aren't a lot of cases where people have alleged police tampering, and I've been like, yeah, I I believe that because I don't want to believe that, you know. But in that case, I really feel like there was some tampering with the evidence and planting shit. And, absolutely. Yeah. Like, oh, it's bad. Oh, and then, of course, um, maybe not true um, TV shows and movies, but Whitney and I, of course, met and bonded over our favorite true crime, paranormal, conspiracy theory podcast, Necronomapod, <laughs> which I've mentioned like 85 times on this show since starting it. It is probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to this world. It's, it's pretty it, darn great. Besides Hear No Evil. Besides Hear No Evil, of course. But I don't compare because the... The dynamic, I mean, that's what's great about podcasts is that every host group has their own dynamics and their own kind of like groove that they have. So, yeah, but big shout out to, to yeah, big shout out to Mike, Ian, and Dave, though, because they're great. Um, but normally this is the part where I'd be like, do you believe in ghosts and aliens? And I already know the answer to that question. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> of yes. course. Okay, well, then let me ask you this. Would you rather, if you had to choose, would you rather see an alien or see a ghost so you have uh, you either have proof aliens exist because you see one or you've proof ghosts exist alien yeah i yeah i think that it's pretty unanimous across the board that mm. people believe ghosts exist like there's yeah. there's things that happen in our world i yeah. mean if you believe in it like you know there's things that happen around us yeah yeah that are pretty much saying yep there's a ghost. <laughs> but alien people still question. I don't, I, I don't get it. It's, Which is interesting when you think about it because I feel like there's way more reason to believe in aliens than in ghosts simply because the universe is so freaking huge. We can't possibly be the only intelligent life in the universe. Like, And I'm not actually sure that all of us are all that intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> so I, in fact, I'd argue most of us are not. Right? I mean, so it's easy to say, no, we cannot be the only life form. There's no, no way. There's, there's too much. There's so much out there that yeah. it just, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, my last question is, is there a case, a true crime case or event, anything like that? It doesn't even need to be like, it could be like a cult or just something Something that you learned about 
at some point in your life that kind of like sparked your interest in all of this stuff like for me it's the elizabeth smart case like i remember when i first learned about that i was like whoa people are kooky and stuff like this happens that's crazy <laughs> so yeah i'm trying i'm trying to think I'm trying to really wreck my brain about like, <laughs> what sparked it it doesn't even need to be true crime. Like, if you heard about a haunting or an abduction or anything like that, I, a cryptid, shout out to Mothman. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Big ol' uh, shout out to Mothman. People have been seeing I, him again. <laughs> yes, that's been, a, that's been a thing again. Nature I, is I, healing. I honestly don't know. I don't know. I think I've just always been out of my out of like the normal like younger kid realm of like what I believe in and what mm-hmm. I what I watch and what I just go in and deep dive research and then yeah. just kind of escalated from there but yeah. I, I don't think one single thing mm-hmm. could have sparked it I think it yeah. was just everything it was serial killers and true crime as a whole oh yeah i was just like oh my god this is amazing do do you remember the first serial killer you learned about because i remember learning that serial killers were a thing and i didn't sleep for a week i was like wait so you're telling me there are people out there (laughs) who just do this shit all the time for fun what the fuck (laughs) i want to say it was Ted Bundy. Yeah, I think I that... I think it's easy to say it was Ted yeah, Bundy. That was mine, too. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, and I don't... I mean... That's because someone told me I looked like someone he would kill, because I have... It, it's true. Yeah, that's unfortunate. You're, 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 you're a good girl. You're on the map, girl. You're on the map. <laughs> yeah. um, it's your arm... gonna get you. Is your arm broken, sir? Sir? Is there... Can I help you with take your books <laughs> to your car? You seem like a very nice and refined gentleman. What are you doing with that crowbar? Please put that down. <laughs> I don't. So nice and refined. That's what, that's what did it. Oh my gosh. My dog is just all over my notes. You bad dog. Don't do that. Missy. We love you, Missy. Missy, All right. Well, so really quick before we jump into our case, which, um, Whitney and I are just beyond excited about um I just want to give a quick a few quick updates on the Ahmad Arbery case which I covered with my mom last week um so and literally the day after my mom and I recorded that episode or maybe like two days after they found out who leaked the video have you heard about this no, I have not. So, so give me, give me all, give me all the stuff. Right yeah. Now. So they found out who leaked the video. The video was re- recorded by a man who lived in the McMichael's neighborhood, and I guess he saw them take off after Ahmad, and he was like, "Uh, what's going on?" Um, so he followed them, and he captured it all on video. Um, and then he gave the video to police. Fully cooperated with them. They were not going to leak the video. They just had it as evidence. But it's somehow, the guy who recorded it also gave it to this criminal defense lawyer named Alan Tucker. And this guy, I don't really know what this guy's deal is. I guess he has, like, he knows the McMichaels or something like that. He's represented them before. I'm not really sure. But he leaked the video because, in his opinion, he was like, 
I don't see anything wrong with what's going on here. He's like, I, I don't see, he's like, people are saying, oh, they're hunting down this, it wasn't two men with a, com a confederate flag. Yeah, th the video has everything but a confederate flag. <laughs> like, he's like. You might as well just, I mean, you might as well just put a, con just edit one in there. Because you might as well, yeah. Because, I mean, oh my gosh. it's And if you watch the video, my mom and I said this last week, if you watch the video, it literally looks like they're hunting him. Like, it's horrifying. They look it like they're having a great horrifying. time. Yeah, it's really bad. So, hey, honey. <laughs> um, okay, so that's been going on. Um, two district attorneys actually ended up recu recusing themselves from the case due to conflicts of interest. Um, but one guy, his name was Barnhill, or his last name is, and he gave his opinion on it. And he was like, okay, I watched it, and it looks like self-defense to me. And under, yeah, and under, you know, Georgia's law, they were following the open carry law. They weren't doing anything wrong. Um, they were exercising their right for, um... A civilian arrest. I mean, just none of it makes any sense. But one of Ahmad's lawyers said, if you initiate an assault, you don't get to then claim self-defense if the other person then reacts to you assaulting them. <laughs> it, it was not, it was not self-defense. The poor it, guys in his little workout clothes. Right, right. Yeah. And these guys are clearly out for blood. It's horrible. It is just absolutely it, horrible. I've seen hundreds of crime scene photos and a lot Oof. of horrific things and that and one's that, hard to look at isn't it and that one was hard to watch it was it made it made your hair stand up on your arms it made your stomach turn it, it made you sick with society it did it made that, me feel that way yeah, for sure. Um, and now apparently, so some brand, and I don't know if you heard about this either, but some brand new footage was found from the neighborhood. Now, Ahmad had apparently gone into this house that was under construction, and and they have video of that now, and I watched it, and it is, it is Ahmad, because like I compared what the guy is wearing in that video to the other video. Yep, they look exactly the same. But literally, this is all he does. He goes into the house, and he's kind of looking around like, oh, okay, looks nice in here. Like, he doesn't look like he's doing anything nefarious. If it was a white person, I doubt anybody would have had any issue with it. i pretty sure there wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. So it's super dumb. So people are trying to use that now, like, oh, that's why they attacked him. No, you still don't get to shoot somebody because they walk into it, – it, it like, the house was under construction. Like, there wasn't any – it's not even your house. Yeah. It's your business. Exactly. It's, ugh, I don't get it. Um, and then finally, last thing about Ahmad. So apparently, um, a few days ago, there's this big memorial for him now at the intersection where he was shot. And somebody left a note. And the note reads, I am so sorry, Ahmad. I should have stopped them. I'm so sorry. That's all it says. And it's unsigned. And people are kind of going crazy over this note thinking that the person who left it might know something. But people are so shitty, I would not be surprised if it's somebody just... Ugh, I don't know. I don't is, want it to be that, but it, it might be. Is it the guy that was filming? Is that, could that be it, him? And it could he just be. feels bad because he didn't stop and all he did was film? Mm-hmm. I mean, it yeah. could be, or it could have been somebody in their house by there in their intersection i mean yeah. i don't know 
I don't know either. The geographics of the area, but I mean, it's very confusing. It could very well be anybody. Yeah. Well, and it looks like, I mean, I don't know, but I hope in my heart that it is somebody in the neighborhood who legitimately feels guilty, who maybe saw something, who will come forward and be like, yeah, this is what's happening. And not just a random person who was like, oh, well, I felt bad, so I left that there. I mean, that's still a nice gesture, but... We need answers. We need need answers. Exactly. Speaking of justice and speaking of this shit happening seemingly only to black people, I'm sorry to bum everybody out, but we have to talk about this because I am just so completely floored and disgusted. I am talking about Breonna Taylor, the 26-year-old EMT from Louisville, Kentucky. Did I say that? Is Louisville in Kentucky? Did I get that right? (laughs) I I was taught by somebody from there that it is pronounced Louisville. Louisville. I always say Louisville. I can't say Louisville because I'm not from there. It's it's so hard. It's like we've heard this. I'll be honest with you. We sat on a bar stool for probably 45 minutes practicing (laughs) how to say it. And if Lindsay's listening, she's from Kentucky, she what? might very well Shout out Lindsay. correct us. But I'm pretty sure it's Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've never been, but I hear it's a great city. Uh, you really want to go. Bucket list. That's our bucket list. Okay. Let's go to Kentucky. I'm excited. All right. Have you ever heard of called that before? She's chugging her Corona, ladies and gents. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I, ha- I have to get my warm-up beers. Yes, my wa- yes. first you do your warm-up beers, and then you do your cool-down beers. We have learned from the best. We know how this yep. works. <laughs> That's how podcasts are ran. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, she was working as an EMT in Louisville, Kentucky. She wanted to go back to school to be a registered nurse. Like, She was just a really good, awesome person. One of those people who was putting herself at risk to help people during COVID-19. Um, she was really doing a lot of really good work. So, and she, like, she was a first responder. Like, that's what people need to understand. She was an EMT. Um, so, Briona was, I think she was at her boyfriend's apartment. And they were both asleep in his bed when police officers did a no-knock search warrant on the house, which means they basically just barge in. They don't announce themselves. They don't, you know, pound on the door and go, Kentucky police, open up. You know, they just barge in. So her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, is immediately like, what the fuck? Why are people breaking into my house? He gets his gun, accidentally shoots an officer in the leg. So now he's being charged with the attempted murder of an officer, which is ridiculous, in my opinion. That is a... That is a self-defense case. Mm-hmm. That is called mm-hmm. self-defense. He didn't know they were cops. He didn't you, know. You you didn't say, you didn't knock, you didn't say who you were. Exactly. You got shot because this guy is asleep with his girlfriend. Right. In no, his sorry, apartment. That is, in his apartment, you're yes. in his home. Exactly. That is self-defense, people. It is self-defense. Not only that, but people are like, oh, police don't do that. They don't do no-knock, no-announcement search warrants. Yes, they do. They do them all the time, and they have resulted oh, in people dying on multiple occasions. Innocent people dying. So everyone can shove it with that. Also, I would just like to say this really quick. I am not anti-cop. I am not anti-police. I am not anti-law enforcement. 
I am anti-police militarization. I am anti-corrupt law enforcement. Brutality. Brutality. I'm anti-police brutality. Like, I just am sick and tired of innocent people dying because police officers think they can do whatever they want. But not, and not all of them think that way, but enough of them do that it's a problem. But enough of them do. The racial profiling, the, the, it's, it's sad. It's sickening. And there are many men, clearly, that are being killed. Right here. Men, women also that are being killed and unlawfully accused of crimes that shouldn't be based on their yeah, race. It's and ridiculous. Something's got to change. It's, something's yeah. got to change. So, Breonna, unfortunately, she was shot eight times, which is ridiculous. Because what eight wasn't enough? times. I mean, she was unarmed. She didn't come after them. From what I understand, it's not like she grabbed her own shotgun and started going off. No, that's not what happened. Um, And from what I understand, no one has been arrested still. Of course not. So, and the police who, the people who did the raid are saying, oh, it was a clean raid, it was a good raid. We announced we were coming in, but neighbors are saying, no, they didn't because we didn't hear anything. We didn't hear police. All we heard was them barging in through the door and then Kenneth trying to protect him and Breonna. Um, and also, the other thing is, I don't know if you heard about this, the, they weren't, the, it was the wrong address. The person they were looking for, yeah, it was the wrong address. Or apparently it was the address of somewhere, the person they were looking for. So they were trying to bust some local drug dealers. And I guess the apartment that they went to, those drug dealers had had a package delivered there at some point or another. So that's why they decided to raid that place. I don't know. They had no proof. But here's the even crazier thing, Whitney. You're, you're going to fucking drop to the floor when I tell I'm you this. I'm going to need another beer. Yeah, you might. The person... They were looking for serving the search warrant on was already in custody. Was already in custody. I truly hope fucking... Mr. Kenneth Walker slaps a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. If he can get out of this, if yeah, if he can, and I'm sure once people know they will i mean mm -hmm. people are going to come with a vengeance for him and okay. be on his side and hopefully I, yeah. prove his innocence well the nice and thing is just... yeah the nice <sighs> the nice thing is is that one of the lawyers who is representing um Ahmad Arbery's family is now representing Kenneth Walker um, oh good yes. good 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 and the... i hope he's doing it pro bono i mean i, I know the people got to make their money but i, I in know. these kinds of cases yeah you you've got to do pro bono for these oh. people I know. It's, it's unfair. God. So, yeah, I sorry to bum everybody out. I just felt it was really important to talk about that. R.I.P. Briona, you beautiful soul. Thank you for giving so much to this earth while you were here. And I'm sorry your kind, generous heart was repaid in such a horrible, brutal way. Um, speaking beautifully of... Beautifully spoken, my friend. Beautifully spoken. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of beautiful people taken too soon from this world in a brutal fashion, I, <laughs> my there brain is already on fire. It's already... Yep. We haven't even started, and I'm... I'm ready. We haven't even announced it. Yeah. Uh, Whitney, would you like to tell the Hear No Evil fan club... I still haven't come up with my name yet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do so 
something with monkeys because you know the hear no evil see no evil monkeys but i can't think of anything good yet so but yeah would you like to tell them what we're talking about today (sighs) (laughs) catch my breath right episode six hear no evil that i have been blessed to be a part of (laughs) is not forgotten the kaylee anthony case part one part one there's something wrong. Yes. I came up with that title myself. Yeah, I, I know. You know, when I when I got my notes, I was like, oh, damn, my girl killed it. She did so good. Thank you. <laughs> she did so good. So, um, Whitney, this case first broke. People first heard about this case 12 years ago. Um, this is when this all went down. Do you remember paying attention to it when it was going on at all or yeah yeah I mean yeah it was a I mean it was national it was a national story I mean it was in 2006 I was probably 20 I mean I was I was in my prime back then so I mean (laughs) you're still in your prime what are you talking about (laughs) I I but you know I did I did pay attention to it I did not take a deep dive until we agreed that this is the topic we were gonna do Mm -hmm. and but you knew it on a surface level I did I did know it on a surface level okay and just based on your surface level observation what were your opinions (laughs) I already know I already know not sure if I can give an unbiased opinion at this point but I would say I I think the I personally knew she was guilty. I think everybody in the world knows she's guilty. Yeah. Besides her and maybe her psychopath mother. Well, and even um, even Cindy, after all these years, has started to be like, fuck, I think I messed up. And I think... She did. Yeah. I, and, I, and I think she knows she messed up, but... I think she does, too. I I give Cindy a little bit of wiggle room. Just because I truly believe she had nothing to do with Kaylee's death, just like George had nothing to do with Kaylee's death, they were both completely traumatized and devastated by it, but Cindy did not handle it like a woman who really, truly loved and cared about her granddaughter and wanted justice for her. Right, because a mother's love is a mother's love, and of course you want to protect your child. But... It's just, you know what? Really quick. It's touchy. It's touchy. It's so touchy. Really quick before we get started. Um, so one of my sources for this episode is called um, "Case Inside the Mind of Casey Anthony, a Psychological Portrait by Ke- Dr. Keith Ablo, who's written many books, actually, on lots of other cases, lots of other killers. Um, he's a psychiatrist, a psychologist with, you know, lots of years experience. So it's not like he's just some random schmuck who was like, I think I know about Casey Anthony. I'm going to write a book about it. No, like he knows what the fuck he's talking about. And everybody knows I'm super into psychology. So this was like the first, this was in the first pages of the book. And I'm going to read this word for word, quote for quote, because I could not say it better. So quote, Casey Anthony, it turned out, was kind of a ghost, a woman with no real identity, no connection to her rageful, shattered inner self, and no person on this earth who really knew the truth about her. 
This is a story about how toxic emotional forces in a family unfolding over decades slowly extinguished Casey Anthony psychologically and then suddenly extinguished her two-year-old daughter Kaylee Anthony physically. Kaylee Anthony was killed by a person who had never lived anything resembling a genuine life, was never really truly alive at all, and therefore assigned no value to a little girl's life. What do you think of that? It's it's hard to hear. I mean, especially when you when you deep dive into this case and you you start to you see facts and you listen to calls and the nine one one calls and everything about it. Yeah, it, it, it hurts. You it start does. to hurt. You truly you truly start to hurt for this little girl on a different level. And when you see that, mm-hmm. it it establishes what a fucked up bitch she was. Yeah, <laughs> she's just a and, oh my gosh, and you know, it's weird because when you read that, it's almost like in a small way they're trying to paint Casey in a sympathetic light. Like, oh, she didn't have full control. <laughs> oh, she didn't have full control over what happened to her. But it's kind of like, it's it's like when we talk about serial killers. Were they born that way or were they created? I've always felt it was a mixture of both nature and nurture, and I think with Casey, it's very much the same thing. I I, I agree. I think it is a mixture of nature and nurture, um, but there was there's some there's some a little bit more off about her than I think mm-hmm. most serial killers display. I think there's there's something a little bit more psychological with yeah. her than most serial. Yeah. serial killers now that I can talk well I mean just the lying and the level of lies and the level of deceit you know what we'll get into it we'll get into it let's um we'll get there let's start with a little bit of background on Cindy and George Casey's parents so interestingly enough um both Cindy and George came from families where the father figure had kind of checked out and wasn't super reliable and was, you know, was kind of considered the weak, more controllable of the two parents. And they both came from families where the mother was like very domineering and controlling. And so they both kind of like learned this lesson very early in life, like women kind of control the family. Now, Cindy was the youngest of four children and she was the only girl. So she had three older brothers. Yeah, so, yeah, she was spoiled. She was treated like a princess. I mean, her entire life, she got whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted it. Um, She wasn't abused. Like, her parents were strict, but she wasn't abused or anything like that. You know, she just, so she was kind of like the the little princess of her family. Um, But from the time she was very young, she was very, very, very controlling. Um... It's almost as if she didn't want to feel disempowered in any way. Like, she needed to remain in complete control at all times. So, it's very strange. And then George... It's so weird. George is described as being, like, devoid of much emotional or intellectual complexity. Like, he's just kind of... They're so mean to him in this book. He They treat him like he's just a paper bag. He's no personality. No... I hate it. Yeah, and it's kind of mean. But at the same time, I can kind of see it to a degree. Because it says... It said in the book that George wanted to be controlled in a way. 
because before he got with Cindy, he was just kind of like flailing through life. And when he met Cindy, he basically just kind of let her take control of everything, which is very strange. Um, literally, this is a quote from the book. I looked into George's eyes and I saw nothing there. <laughs> It's so sad. It's so mean. It's so, it's so mean. It's so sad. Because as we go through this story, we will realize how good of a person George is and how he is 100% a victim. And it is so sad. Because I, George is a good dude. He guys. is. George he is, is a good dude. dude. I don't think he's super bright necessarily. I, you know, I... But we don't disagree with you, but he's a good guy. Yeah, he is a good guy. Well, and but this was the other thing they talked about in the book was because so, you know, that George was a police officer for a long time. Right. But they said that he wasn't a very good police officer. And really, he just liked the uniform and he liked the cruiser and he liked the appearance of having power and influence and when he had the uniform on, that's when he was, like, cool and confident. But as soon as it was gone, he was very, like, hapless and, you know, just... It was like it was like he just let Cindy mold him into whatever she wanted. It's his 15 seconds of fame. He wanted to feel important. Yeah, A man yeah. with a badge and a uniform is important. Right. Well, and guess who also wanted to feel important? Cindy. Cindy not only wanted to feel important, but she wanted to be in control and she wanted to be needed. So I think that's why she became a nurse because, yeah, because who, I mean, when you're a nurse, literally everyone needs you all the time. You're dependent on. Yeah, right? you are. Somebody needs you at any given moment. Exactly. Exactly. And she loved it. She absolutely loved it. Now, George and Cindy ended up meeting at the hospital that Cindy was working at uh, while George was there checking on his sister. Um, and apparently George was married at the time. But Cindy did not tell her family that. And like, so this, we're going to see, we're going to see before Casey is even a thought in their minds, years and years before Casey is born, Cindy and George are building a foundation of lies. And I'm not saying that George is complicit in that, but he also doesn't stop it. He is an enabler. Until he enables until he realizes, oh shit, I have enabled so much that it's a tragedy now. Like. Poor guy. Yeah. He's like the definition of mommy issue. Oh my god, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> he is. He's and he is just being. He's being henpecked by two psychopaths on either side of him. You know, he's got Cindy over here and Casey over here. Like, it's just bad. And when it comes to Casey, the oh. apple didn't fall far from the tree. Oh god, no, it really didn't. Casey Anthony was born on March 19th, 1986. Why did the world just not stop turning on that day? Should have swallowed Cindy. <laughs> if only she had shot out of Cindy right into a into a black void and then swallowed yeah, up by the nothingness. Whatever, yeah. whatever and it may be. Then we never would have ever had to deal with this. So not much is known about Casey's early life. Um, but by all reports, she was a happy, friendly, and bright child. Um, Cindy describes her very weirdly. She's like, oh my gosh, Casey was so popular. Everybody loved her. She was a straight-A student. And she always had these little boyfriends running around. And I'm like, you are talking about your child. Like, that's so weird and creepy. I want, I want school transcripts because I don't believe it. I don't believe it either. 
Well, she didn't fucking graduate high school. Not that I am... We'll get there. So, (laughs) I keep keep jumping. We'll get there. there. (laughs) So, the family seemed to be the typical all-American family. And Cindy and Casey were inseparable best friends. But here's the thing. You shouldn't be best friends with your kid. I don't have a kid, and I even know that. You should not be best friends with your kid. I've been on the opposite side of it. Because when I was growing up, well, not when I was growing up, but later in my life, my dad kind of, like, tried to be my best friend when we were going through stuff. And it doesn't work. You can't be your child's best friend. (laughs) Yeah, because when you go to punish them or something happens, they look at you like, uh, yeah, no, they don't take you seriously. Yeah. I know I was my mom's best friend because she was so young when she had me. Yeah. And then like she would try to punish me or reprimand me and I would look at her like, yeah, okay, go to hell. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so it, just, it doesn't work. It, well, it, it's not healthy. Yeah. Well, and as you can see with Casey, it created a dynamic between her and her mother where Casey really truly felt like she could do whatever she wanted. Her mother's authority as her mother meant absolutely nothing to her. (laughs) And that's what it does. Yeah. Absolutely, that's what it does. So Casey's first big lie, and I want to make this, people need to understand, like, there is a history of severe, extensive pathological lying with this woman. It's not like one day she just started telling lies. She's been telling lies her whole fucking life to the point where, her life seems like an illusion. Like, it's just so strange. But anyway, so Casey's senior year of high school comes around. She's preparing for graduation. And literally the day before graduation, Cindy gets a call from Casey's school and finds out that Casey did not earn enough credits to graduate and she will not be walking in the ceremony with the rest of her class. Casey had not said a word about this to anybody. She had just kept plugging along Um, sending out her graduation invites and taking pictures and accepting people's gifts and accepting people's money and going to all these yeah right and going to all these parties and shit and when Cindy found out guess what Cindy did she bought into the lie and she was like all right we're just gonna cover this up don't tell anybody about this take all the gifts take all the money we're just gonna pretend that you graduated and no one's ever gonna question it but here's the thing is that Casey's grandparents showed up to the high school on the day of the graduation and didn't see her walk. They were like, what the fuck? So they go to the Anthony house. They're like, why didn't Casey walk in the graduation? Cindy's like, oh, the school messed up. So Casey is learning to lie when she doesn't like reality. Oh, you don't like reality? You don't like how things are going? Oh, just tell a different story. We'll just make it to our benefit. We're gonna make we're right. gonna make it up, and it's gonna be beneficial to us. And right, we're and they about this fairy tale. Yeah, and they doubled down. Like it's not like they were like, oh, we'll say it for a while, but we're gonna, you know, we'll get over it. It was like, no, that is reality now. So Casey never graduated from high school. I'm not judging anyone. Lots of people Absolutely don't graduate not. from high school, but in her case, she is stupid. <laughs> just her. Just in her case, she is dumb. Absolutely. She is dumb. She never got a higher education of any sort. She never had any sort of degree or a good job or anything, as we will see. So Casey gets pregnant in late 2004. So she's 19 years old when she gets pregnant with Kaylee. Um, And to this day, we still do not know who the father is. 
Um, so there are a couple of possibilities that Casey threw out, but since Casey is the one who threw them out, I doubt any of them are true. The first one was a man by, by the name of Eric Baker. Casey said she had a one night stand with him, you know, a couple weeks back. Um, but there's no proof that they ever knew each other. And not only that, but Eric Baker actually ended up dying in a car accident while Casey was pregnant and his accident was reported in the paper. So it's very possible that Casey could have just been, just seen that name in the paper. And then pulled like, the name. and just pulled the name. Cause she does that all the time. She just plucks shit out of reality all the time to legitimize her lies. And, and here's the thing is that, okay, well, if that's the baby daddy, then why did you also say maybe somebody else could be the baby daddy? Um, she also put forth the name Michael Duggan, but Michael Duggan also died in a car crash. It's so confusing. Um, there was another boyfriend, Jesus Ortiz, but I think they did DNA test him. So he's not the dad. The person she told about the pregnancy, she went to um, her old boyfriend, Jesse Grund, who she had dated for about six weeks in early 2005. And she told him that he was the baby daddy in June of 2005, only two months before Kaylee was born. So obviously that math doesn't add up because no, no there's no way he could have been the father. But Jesse, Jesse's kind of a really good guy. Because even though he was like, Casey, I really don't think I'm the father, he still was like, oh, well, okay, well, what do you need help with? Like, just a good dude, all right? And we're going to come back to Jesse. Now, I want to ask your opinion on this because I've never been pregnant. <laughs> but when, when, you, when you were pregnant with your son, if... If your parents or your family had had no interest in who the father of your son was, wouldn't you find that a little odd? Yes. Like, if they were, like, not to the point where they were, like, you know, like, obsessed with it, but even if they weren't curious at all, they were like, oh, it doesn't matter who the father is, whatever, never mind. Don't you think that's a little... I mean, obviously my mom was like, is it this person? Yeah. And I said, yes. She said, well, fuck. (laughs) And I mean, and, and that was, you know, basically the end of it, but it it was a question. It was a concern because it's, is this person a good enough person to take care of a child to be there for you, to support you? And I mean, he clearly was not. And so, but I mean, as, as somebody in your family, your friends, anything, I think that should be a question. Yeah. It should be a concern. And the Anthony's just did not give a fuck. They literally did not care. Um, and the when Kaylee was born, they made sure not to put the father's name on the birth certificate. They were like, we just don't want him involved. And I think that's because from the moment Cindy found out Casey was pregnant, she was like, that baby is mine. Yep, she wanted control. She wanted she control. She wanted complete control. Yes. So also, Casey didn't tell anyone she was pregnant till seven months into her pregnancy. And she... As much as I hate to admit it, she is a very tiny, skinny little thing, you know. So it was pretty obvious when she became pregnant. And she just kept going, no, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm just, it's just water weight. Still a lot of water weight. <laughs> like. Your Casey impressions are my favorite. Thank you. <laughs> they, they're the greatest. They're so, so Oh, I'm going to have. so dead off. I'm going to have so many more chances to do that later, and I'm so excited. Um, But, 
so it just doesn't make any sense that, um, well, okay, let me say this. So, Cindy, Cindy, Casey's seven months pregnant. They go to a family wedding, and, um, someone, a family member at the wedding is like, Casey, congratulations, how far along are you? When is the baby due? Because it's so fucking obvious that she's pregnant. And Casey and Cindy both double down. They're like, no, she's not pregnant. She's not pregnant. But, but, but Cindy knew, Cindy knew that she was at this point. So it kind of begs the question, why did they not tell people about it if they were so excited about it? It's kind of weird. I get mixed messages from it. And you want to know something else? And I, and this is in the book. So this is confirmed and this is true. You know, Casey's brother, Lee. Yes. They didn't tell Lee that Casey was pregnant till like the day she went to the hospital to have Kaylee. He had no idea. He was so Clearly, hurt by that. Yeah. He was so hurt by that. He was like, why didn't you tell me I was having a niece? Like, he didn't understand. And to this day, he doesn't understand. He was like, why the fuck wouldn't you tell me? Um, those two women have no fucking care in the world for anybody else but themselves. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like they had to be in control of the situation. Um, now there are allegations that Casey told her friends she didn't even want to have Kaylee, um, and that she wanted to give Kaylee up for adoption, but guess who would have none of that? Cindy. Cindy. Cindy was like, you are not giving that baby up for adoption. Um, so who knows? Casey might not have even wanted to be a mom. I don't think she did. (laughs) I don't think she did. There's no possible. I think Cindy convinced her to keep the baby, and she kept it because she doesn't know how to say no to her mother. And her mother's a psychopath too. <laughs> her mother's a psychopath. Yeah. <sighs> this this makes me happy to say, but also sad to say at the same time. Kaylee Marie Anthony was born August 9th on two in two thousand five. So if Kaylee were alive today, she'd be turning fifteen in August. She'd be little teenager sweet baby girl um now jesse the boyfriend who thought he was the father showed up during the delivery and met the anthony's like george and cindy for the first time at the hospital so i'm sure that was extremely fucking awkward and cindy was the first one to hold kaylee not casey and cindy said it was like having casey all over again Red flag. I'm, red flag, I'm, I'm red, flag, red, red flag, red flag. All over. Red, red flag, flags red, red flag. all over the place. That's such a horrific way to feel about your granddaughter. I gotta find something red. I gotta find something red. <laughs> I'm gonna wave it around. Red, <laughs> flag. <laughs> red flag, red flag. I gotta. I gotta oh my gosh. It. Um, let's, I just want to say this about Kaylee really quick. Um, she was a very happy, giggly, oh my, I mean, you've seen pictures of Kaylee. She was beautiful. She was absolutely beautiful. Oh, my gosh. She had the cutest little smile, big, bright, hazel eyes. Uh, She loved to play dress-up. She loved Winnie the Pooh. She was apparently really smart. Um, I listened to a documentary where one of Casey's friends, who had been around Kaylee a lot, was talking. And he said, um, he was like, Casey, he said, Kaylee was one of the smartest little girls I'd ever met. She could count to ten in English and in Spanish. Um, and she would tell, she would like proudly tell people that she'd be like, I can count to 10 in Spanish. Want to see? And then she'd do it. 
oh, just ugh, my heart. Okay. Are your hormones going crazy? Yes. <laughs> your baby hormones are going crazy. Right my now. baby I hormones and it. my sadness I hormones. Just, <laughs> just Kaylee. Full of love and sadness oh, right now. Just Kaylee sounds so beautiful and adorable. Um, she called her grandpa George Jojo, which I thought that was kind of cute. Um, and she called her grandma Grammy, like lots of little kids do. Um, and Kaylee loved to swim. There's loads and loads of videos of her in that family pool. But here's the thing is that she always has an adult with her, obviously. She's always in there with Cindy. And she always has floaties on. So my thinking is... I understand that Kaylee was little, but even when my nieces and nephews were little and I still lived with my parents, my parents have a pool. Even when they were little, they knew not to go up to the pool by themselves and you can't go in the water unless you put your floaties on. Those are ground rules. I growing up in California with pools at every family house we went to, our house, you knew. You knew that that was a rule. And that was one rule you did not disobey right and not not only that but there I hadn't seen or read anything about Kaylee being able to like climb up into the pool by herself because it was an above ground pool it's not like she could have just fallen in you have to go up the ladder and get in so I don't know we'll get to that but I just noticed that like in every single one of those pool videos she has her floaties on and I'm just like I feel like she was smart enough to know don't get in the pool without grandma and my floaties on like I don't know so not long after she knew she knew she was a smart girl not long after kaylee was born casey told her father that she was working at a store called sports authority i think it's like some sort of sports apparel store i'm not really sure oh okay sweet so she was working there while also working as an event planner at universal studios um (laughs) so one day george went to the sports authority store to bring casey lunch but he was also kind of like I don't think she's gonna be there. I think she's bullshitting me. And then he got there and she wasn't there because she didn't work there. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! So he calls Cindy and Cindy's response to him is, what are you doing? Why are you checking up on our daughter? Why are you following her around? You know what this is gonna do to her. She'll be irritated. That was her response, not, oh my god, why is she lying to us about this? I mean, it just cre- it establishes a pattern that you see over and over and over again in this case. Just, oh, it's ridiculous. Um, oh, here's another quote from the book that I just loved. Fake. There can be no chink in the armor. People living in such circumstances cannot be real. They cannot be, for all intents and purposes, alive. So, in the book, he talks a lot about psychological suffocation and emotional oxygen so emotional oxygen is you know the that morality that compassion just that spiritual drive that we all need in order to develop and to want to be alive I mean so you know when you're growing up emotional oxygen is like love from your parents or feeling safe stuff like that Casey Ablo says was being slowly but surely psychologically suffocated the whole house was because they just lied covered shit up 
all of them were extremely narcissistic. I don't know. So, but at the same time, I don't want to act like she isn't to blame because she is to blame for her own actions. She's to blame. Yeah. She is to blame, but she, but she learned, she learned from one of the best. She did. Oh, she did. Casey Casey perfected it. Casey perfected it and made it her own. Mm -hmm. She ran with it and she made a life of it. Yeah. So she's 100% fully to blame. But growing up until this point, Cindy, Cindy is to blame. Mm -hmm. She, you know, I mean, you grow up and you learn a right from wrong. But Casey's right and wrong were... Totally just fogged by her mother's. I I don't even know if she had a sense of right or wrong. I don't even know if she had it. Well, she did. Like, yeah, she did. She knew. I mean, she. I mean, it's common sense. Whether yeah, doesn't matter how. When I say dumb of a bitch you are, which she is. Yeah, when I say she didn't know the difference between right and wrong. I mean that in, like, that weird serial killer way where they come up with justifications for the horrible shit they do even though they know it's illegal and horrible and awful. <laughs> like good they, old Bumblebutt. Oh, good, good old Bumblebutt. Bumble oh. for that. I, you know. I don't know. After watching Mindhunter, I really like him. <laughs> I know. It's weird, right? It's weird. It's like when I was watching. You're like, you're like, I know you did something wrong, but I really like you. I was like, I kind of like you. And then they did it really well, though, because that's how he got away with it for so long, because the cops just all loved him in the town he was in. They were like, nah, Ed's a good guy. (laughs) I just remember watching that and, like, kind of liking David Koresh a little bit, even though I knew in my heart, like, he's not a good person. You shouldn't like him. Okay. But he came off as so likable in some scenes. did oh my god so okay so i was talking about this i don't think you were in uh our voice chat the other night oh man voice chat good old discord voice chat admitted i 100 admitted i said you know what i'm sorry i get why people follow david koresh i 100 I get it. Not even lie when I would say I would follow David Koresh because he was such. He had a way with words. He, he did a way with life. He did. He made you have a purpose. Well, yeah. everybody wants a purpose. And because everybody he was, yeah, he gave it to you. He did. He did. And because he was actually a pretty nice to his members. He was. So nice. so humble, like, so nice, yeah, caring. Yeah, but then there's a part of me that wonders, like, what if it was all a lie? Like, what if every no. single bit of that was a lie, and he literally was just putting on a face? No, no, no. I don't know. Don't you talk about David? It's uh, it's that. so difficult. It's so difficult. <laughs> But yeah, no, everybody needs to watch the Waco series on Netflix, and you need to listen to Necronomapod's series on Waco. Because Ian put a shit ton part of work one. into it. Yep. Part one. Part and one. part two will be out Sunday. It's out. It, well, it's out right now for, for you and I because. <laughs> well, that's because we're we are. $10 level oh, Patreons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Necrobabestown. Hashtag Necronomicult. <laughs> Treat. I'm, I'm actually going to copyright that. Yes. That was a yes. new thing to yes. me. I'm going yes. to copyright Necronomical because I love it. 
That's our shit. It is our shit. All right, so let's get back to the story. So, um, now, yes, now Casey, as I said before, for a long time was pretending to be an event planner at Universal Studios. She was doing this for two years. So, for two years, for five days a week, eight hours a day, she would leave the house and go God knows where and do God knows what. And here's the other thing is that a lot of the time she took Kaylee with her because this is about the time she started making up the Zanny the Nanny story. So she started being like, oh, I'm going to take Kaylee to the nanny. So who knows what was going on when she was gone for eight hours a day at her non-job. We already know that Zanny the Nanny doesn't exist. So what was she doing with Kaylee? She is Zanny the Nanny. Yeah. That, now, this is why I have the theory that Casey started drugging Kaylee. I think she was using Xanax to knock her out because, Kay, because Kaylee was smart and she was getting to the point where she was going to be able to tell people, oh, I didn't go to a babysitter today or I didn't. You know, mommy and I didn't do this. We were at this random guy's house all day, and mommy gave me a pill, and I fell asleep for a long time. Like, yep, yeah. I 100% agree with that theory. I yeah. think that Casey herself is Zanny the nanny. Oh, she is. She is. Absolutely, she is. Now, the man Casey claimed to be Kaylee's father, Jesse, actually moved into the Anthony household after Kaylee was born. Um, and he, oh, it's so cute in his interview on 48 Hours, he was so in love with Kaylee. He was like, I was devastated when I found out that little girl was not mine because I loved her and I wanted her to be my daughter. But when I found, because he did a paternity test and he was like, but when I found out she wasn't biologically my daughter, it didn't matter because she was in my heart and I wanted to be her dad. Like, isn't that just... It's a true man right oh, there. It's so good. And he must be a good man because Jesse fucking proposed to Casey. He loved her. He wanted to have a family with her. Like he, yeah, he loved Casey and he proposed to her and she was super excited and she said yes. But five months later, she dumped him and broke off the engagement. Now, Jesse thinks this happened because if he and Casey got married, they were going to move out of the house and they were going to take Kaylee with them. And Cindy did not want that. I think that makes sense. It makes absolute sense. Because Cindy was not going to... The plan had to be Cindy's. And things were not going to go Mm -hmm. off track from that plan. Exactly. She wasn't going to allow it under any circumstance. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Now, here's the other thing, though, is that when... When Casey broke up with Jesse, he asked her why. He was heartbroken. I mean, I can't believe Casey Anthony found a man that loved her this much. Like, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but it's just like, <laughs> Jesse, Jesse sounds like he was such a nice guy and he loved Casey. But he was like, why? Why don't you want to marry me? Why don't you want to be together? Ka- Casey told him, it's because you love Kaylee more than you love me. That's such an immature response. Like, don't you want the man you marry to love 
your child, the child who isn't his, by the way, who you told him was his, and now he's devastated because you lied to him and it's not his, but he still loves her anyway and wants to be her father and wants to be your husband, but it's not good enough for you because he loves the little girl more than you think he loves you. Like, that's, it's so fucked. It's so fucked. What, what, don't you want that? Wouldn't you want that? Yeah. But Casey, Casey wanted to be the center of attention. I think that was another motivating factor was when, you know, everybody in the house kind of revolved around Casey for the longest time. And then when Kaylee, yeah, and then when Kaylee was born, everything revolved around Kaylee. Not only that, but she also started getting all this extra pressure from her mom because she had always been like this perfect human being in her mom's eyes. But now that she was a mother, her mom constantly scrutinized her. Her mom questioned her all the time. Um, and Casey, Jesse, and a lot of other friends of Casey's got the impression that Casey resented Cindy for playing mommy to Kaylee. Um, and, and yeah, and Cindy was basically raising Kaylee. Everybody says in multiple interviews, yeah, Casey was a good mom. Casey was a good, Casey was a good mom by 2008 Orlando nightclub kid standards, okay? So that basically means she didn't have any open... So that basically means she didn't have any open wounds on her face and she was clothed. Like, <laughs> that's what that fucking means. She had a glass of milk and some rice. Right, exactly. Uh, and the guys she was hanging out was like, yeah, Casey always has like some toys and some goldfish. So yeah, she's a good mom. She's a good mom. Like, no, no, she's not. <laughs> well, actually, by all reports, by all, re I mean, and I've watched all of these videos. Kaylee looks like she was a very happy little girl. She, like, she's smiling she, and she all. She really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She looks like she loved her mother. She really does. Which is what makes it even sadder. Um, anyway, so during this time, um, while, oh, by the way, Cindy did, and this is confirmed by Cindy's co-workers, uh, she confided in some of her co-workers that she thought Casey was irresponsible and an unfit mother and had threatened to take custody of Kaylee on more than one occasion. Um, during this time, while Casey is... I wish she would have just done it, Dan. I, I wish she, she would have just done it. done it. Yeah, I really wish she would have just done it. I don't know why she didn't. I'm sure Casey would have let her. I mean, that's what I, yeah. I'm sure she would have, but I'm pretty, I mean, I'm sure she wouldn't give her the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately. <sighs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So while Casey is living at home with Kaylee, her mom, and her dad, um, she's constantly stealing money from her mother. She's just like diving into her purse, taking money out of her purse all the time. She forged checks from her mother's accounts and Casey had stolen tens of thousands of dollars from her mother using her credit cards. So she's a pathological theft. She's a pathological thief. She's a pathological liar. Um, and in fact, and in fact, so Casey had stolen a blank check from her grandmother's purse and had made it out for $54, which is so stupid. That's such a small amount of money to fucking steal your grandmother's checkbook for. First of all, who steals money from their grandmother? Okay? That's fucked. Second of all... $10 out of your mom's purse when you 
you're a teenager, understandable. When so you're 20? Oh my god, yeah. When you're fucking... We got problems. We got problems. When you are 20 and 21 years old and you're still diving into your mom's purse to steal money, like, you have a fucking issue. Not I'm only... ask. Yeah. I'm gonna ask. Just ask. Yeah, she's your... Cindy probably would have given her the money. Cindy did whatever Casey wanted. Or get a real fucking job. Or get a job. Get a real fucking job. That... I've never realized this, Whitney, and I'm just realizing this now. Casey... <laughs> Casey, for this entire, like, three, four-year span that we know about covering Kaylee's life and disappearance and death, like, this whole time, she doesn't have a fucking job. Like, Casey never works. Because <laughs> all of her jobs are fake. She lives this life. Like, she, she makes so much money. She lives such a good extravagant life oh my gosh yeah it doesn't make any sense um so okay so she had you know she had stolen this money from her grandmother but her grandmother had forgiven her now in april of 2008 just two months before kaylee disappeared casey stole from her grandmother again this time she stole 354 dollars um, surely the grandmother had suggested to the Bank of America that Casey be arrested and press charges against her, but for some reason, all the bank did was reimburse Shirley's money, and that was the end of it. I don't know why. Well, at least she got her money back. How nice. How yeah, nice. but, but, I mean, no, I... Screw the fraud charges. Screw the theft. Right. It doesn't make any sense. It's... That's crazy. And that, and that just makes you so mad because it's like, God, if she had gotten arrested... If she had just gotten arrested then, none of this would have happened. And actually, um, I, a family member of Casey, I think it was her aunt, came forward and said lots of people in the family um, after this whole thing were like, yeah, we wish somebody had just come forward and gotten her ass arrested. Like, we all feel so guilty for it now because if we had called her out and held her responsible, then she wouldn't have had the chance to it do what she did. so many things. Yeah, exactly. So two weeks before Kaylee disappears, Casey begins, meets, and begins dating DJ Tony Lazaro. Sounds like a DJ name. It does. You know what, though? We love Tony. We are big Tony fans on this podcast. We are big Tony fans. We are. Absolutely. I am pro-Tony. Pro-Tony. Now, Tony was a local college student and DJ, um, they met on Facebook, and Tony did not know Casey had a kid at first. Casey was not uh, truthful and upfront about that, um, which is not a good thing to do. And that kind of tells you, like, how little Kaylee means to her, that she's not even going to acknowledge her existence because this guy that she wants to fuck is more important. Tony later admitted... Like, way, you know, way down the line in his testimony that, and you, you were actually the one who told me about this, Whitney. Um, Tony had stated, he did say to Casey at one point that he did want kids, but he didn't want them right now. And he didn't want any daughters because he thought daughters were just too much work and he only wanted sons. Which is kind of a crappy thing to say, but at the same time, like, it's his right. I guess. It's just right. And he had no idea at that point she had a daughter. 
Yeah, and that like he he told her, yeah, I want kids, but I only want sons. Like, yeah, he he lives with that every day because it's like, hey, is is, is that one more piece of the puzzle? Yeah, that led up to the motive. Yeah, led up to the killing of this little girl. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and he lives with that. And from what I have seen from him. He does regret that. Yeah. Every moment of every day. I think he and really regrets his so relationship with Casey too. Yeah. He. he oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure everybody does. Yeah. Well, and I think that I mean, and I'm not judging him or even Casey for this. It sounds like it was just kind of like supposed to be a casual hookup sort of relationship, and that's that's fine. You know, if that's what you want, that's totally fine. But. But Casey wasn't honest about the fact that she had a child. Now, here's the thing. Tony did find out about Casey eventually, about Kaylee eventually. Because Kaylee actually went to his apartment on multiple occasions. Um, And he lived there with his good friend and roommate, Clint House. Now, Clint is actually a very important character witness in this whole scenario. Because he was around both Kaylee and Casey. And he was around them at the same time. Um, He tells this great story about the first time Kaylee came to his and Tony's apartment. Um, Casey brought Kaylee over. Kaylee walks to the front door. She's wearing this big pair of sunglasses. And she walks right up to them and she goes, what's up, dudes? (laughs) And I could just picture it in my mind. And it's so cute. Like, oh, precious little baby. Clint really liked Kaylee a lot. He was like, I have never met such a sweet, bright, adorable little girl. And he also witnessed Casey, in his opinion, being a good mom. But it was just very interesting the way he worded it. So he was like, um, Casey was always clean, well-fed, and happy, which is good. But then he's like, I never saw Casey strike Kaylee. And I'm like, oh, good. That's like... A pretty low standard, but okay. Right. You don't hit your kid. Good for you. You're not supposed to. Um, <laughs> um, so he, but he, he's, he believed that, that Casey was a good mom. Um, so Casey went from bringing Kaylee around three to four times a week to not at all. And eventually, Clint was like, where's Kaylee? We haven't seen her in a long time. Casey either told him that she was with her parents or she was with Zanny the Nanny. So that already blows a big hole in Casey's 31 Days story because at no point when Kaylee was missing was she ever with George and Cindy Anthony. So that's a big lie right there. Um, contrary to popular belief, at this time, Casey was not a huge partier. Um, she, you know, she drank and she hung out with her friends, but she was over the age of 21, so she was allowed to do that. Um, she actually was the kind of friend who would, like, yell at people for smoking pot and be like, don't do that, that's bad for you, which is so fucking annoying. Because <laughs> if people want to smoke pot, they can smoke Ridiculous. pot. Right. Fuck off, Casey. Smoke um, your weed and 
Smoke your weed and do your thing. Like, right. You're not hurting anybody. Right, right. Not only was she like obsessive with her boyfriends, like she wanted to be with them all the time. She wanted their constant approval and appreciation, but she would also kind of like change to suit their lifestyle or suit their their personality or whatever. So Casey wasn't a very big partier before she met Tony. Then she meets Tony. Tony's a DJ. He's working at nightclubs every night. Suddenly Casey's like, I want to party more. I want to go to clubs. I want to be a party girl. And I think that actually makes more sense. She was just trying to be what she thought Tony wanted her to be. Because she doesn't have a real personality. Because <laughs> she's a wet blanket. Exactly. Blanket. She's a fucking sociopath. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Alright, we need to fuck. I'm about to die. So, J- June 15th of 2008 was Father's Day. I was... this. June 15th is also my birthday. So, June 15th, 2008, I was, that was my 15th birthday. That's fun. I was 15. Happy 15th birthday. Woo! Happy 15th birthday, <laughs> little Danny. I was very awkward and ugly. Um, <laughs> I have, like, glow-ups are real, people. I, I, I don't think I'm that attractive, but I'm much more attractive than I used to be. So, <laughs> glow, glow. I have to agree. I should show you me like eight years ago. You'd be like, "Oh, thank the Lord for <laughs> <to> a girl." <laughs> I just used to have like Hermione hair. I didn't know how to take care of my hair, so it was always really poofy and frizzy. I didn't know how to do my makeup, so it always looked just caked on. It was bad. <laughs> thank God for Jeffrey oh, Star yeah, videos. It's, it's super bad. thank you he taught me how to do my makeup I didn't know how to do contouring or highlight or anything and he taught me how (laughs) so he's phenomenal I love it phenomenal hi how are you so (laughs) I love him can I go get my mirror you have the mirror I want the mirror so bad (laughs) I I want the mirror so bad oh my gosh so yes, June 15th, 2008, Cindy takes Kaylee to see her 87-year-old grandfather at a nursing home. And, and then she goes to her mother Shirley's house for dinner. So this is only Cindy and Kaylee. Casey is not present. But while they're at Shirley's house, Casey's grandmother, they, they start talking about Casey's theft and how she stole money from her grandma again. And the, mo- the grandma is livid. She was like, I told her not to do this shit again. She did it again. I'm really, really mad. I think this might have been the first time Cindy heard about it. Because that night, Cindy goes home and she and Casey get into a huge fight. I mean, explosive, screaming back and forth at each other kind of fight. And Lee, the brother, says, and this is just alleged, But he says he saw Cindy wrap her hands around Casey's throat. Like, it got bad. So, it was a bad fight. Now, and I think that might have been part of the motive. Because Cindy was like, we can't trust you. You're irresponsible. You're a liar. You're a thief. You're clearly not, like, unable to be a good mother and make good decisions. Like... It was really bad. 
at around 7 a.m. Now, Casey told her parents she would be gone on business for the week, traveling between Jacksonville and Tampa because she supposedly has this high-paying event planner job at Universal Studios. Um, And Kaylee would be going with her, and she would be looked after by Zanny the Nanny during the day. Um, George says the last time he saw Kaylee was before he left for work at about 1 p.m. He walked Kaylee and Casey out to their car. He strapped Kaylee into her car seat. He blew her a kiss and she said, I love you, Jojo. And he watched them drive away. And he never saw his granddaughter again after that. And that just makes me want to die because that's so fucking sad. By the time Cindy got home that evening, Cindy and Casey were gone. So by at least one o'clock in the afternoon, Kaylee and Casey are no longer at the Anthony home. No one knows where they are. They are gone. Casey, to this day, claims she has no idea what happened. Based on her 2017 interview with Crime Watch Daily and Dateline, not Dateline, um, Inside Edition, she says she remembers her mother coming into her room that morning and saying goodbye to them both, but she cannot recall or share any other details from that day, which is, it's just that selective forgetfulness again, like, at, at some point, she's very specific and very detailed, but when it's not convenient, when she needs to forget things, suddenly she forgets things. Um, so, yeah. So all she says is she fell asleep for several hours, one to two hours. Casey, one to two hours is not several hours. <laughs> like, it's either one or two hours or it's several. Several would be like three. <laughs> I don't know. Um, she says she fell asleep, and when she woke up, Kaylee was gone. So this already blows apart the Zanny story, the drowning story, all of it. I mean, she's saying she just woke up and Kaylee it, was it's gone. Out the at this point. Yeah. So it's that is what really chills me to the bone is that to this day we cannot definitively say what happened. We can't. And, but we can say that between 1 and 7 p.m. that day, June 16th, Kaylee Marie Anthony died. That much we know. We don't know how. We don't know who. Quote, unquote, we don't know who. We fucking know who. (laughs) But she died. Now, we know it couldn't have been any later than 7 o'clock. Because at 7, that's when Casey met up with Tony. And they were, um spotted not long afterwards um, on surveillance camera at a blockbuster picking out movies and Tony and Casey are like very lovey-dovey they got their arms around each other they're holding hands they look like they're just like a cute little couple getting some movies for a date night Um, they go back to Tony's apartment where Clint is and guess what Casey asks them to do she asks them if they will teach her how to smoke weed so suddenly she's gone back on her marijuana stance. And now suddenly she's like, oh yeah, I want convenient. She's like, oh my gosh, guys, I'm so into it. I totally know Bob Marley. I I Willie Nelson is pretty cool. I love Snoop Dogg. I love Snoop Dogg. Just amazing. Like <laughs> Oh my god. 
fucking fake ass stoner bitch that makes me want to punch her in the face. Um. <laughs> There's a lot of things that make me want to punch her in the face. I know, and it and that shouldn't be one of them, but for me it is. <laughs> um, I'll allow it. I will allow it. Um. Now here's the thing. Every time you hear this case, you always hear, well, grief manifests itself in different ways with different people, and not everybody reacts to grief the same way. And while that is true, and we can't, it's a complex emotion, and we cannot predict how someone will react to a grievous loss, most psychiatrists say there is a reasonable set of expected grief responses. And Casey did not fall into any of them. <laughs> she just didn't. Well, she wasn't grieving. I mean, I, I read so many psychology articles about grief. So many. And none of them said some people just lose their fucking mind and decide they don't care and are in such deep denial that they just go off and do whatever. Like, it just doesn't make sense. If you were grieving, then you should have done something about it. You should have gotten help. <laughs> like, I don't know. But what would she be grieving about? Because wouldn't that mean she had to admit that... That it was an accident, at least? Gone? Yeah. That it was an accident that... Maybe something would have happened to her daughter. Yeah. How could she, I mean, she would have had to admit all of those things. Exactly. So that's why she's not grieving. Because, <sighs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, <sighs> it's Danny, I hate her. I do too. And I understand that grief is not a linear scale. I mean, just today we were talking to a friend of ours who said she was worried that she wasn't having a proper grief response because she wasn't crying and she wasn't sad but not crying or not being well it's not it's not that she wasn't sad it's just that she wasn't crying and that's normal that's normal some people when they're faced with a lot of grief or trauma or shock they don't cry and they don't show any emotion that's normal it's not normal to just go off and do what the fuck ever that's not normal <laughs> like I don't know. No. So you mean it's not normal to go party and, you know. And enter a hot body contest at Fusion Ultra Lounge on That's Dope Friday? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not there yet. We're not, we're not there, there yet? yet? We're going to get there. No, we are we're, there. No, we're not there yet. We're not? We're not are there? Are we there yet? We're there. Oh, shit, we're we're there. at the hot body contest. So June 20th, four Don't days after Kaylee's death, Casey is seen and photographed partying at Fusion Ultra Lounge on That's Dope Fridays. Um, and I know for a fact it was called That's Dope Fridays because Tony and Clint were both DJing at the club that night. They were part of like the, the party promotion scene there. Um, and they called it That's Dope Fridays. Um, and yes, there was a hot body contest that Casey participated in. But Whitney, Whitney... What place did she come in at the hot body contest? What place did, did Casey? Second. Second. Second place. <laughs> and, and to my spirit animal, Dave, do you know what second place is? Not first. The first fucking loser, buddy. <laughs> the first loser. <laughs> Casey Anthony plays second. Oh. You know why? 
not a good person. Oh my god. Not that he can Get over it, people. Get over <laughs> it. Alright, I've got a new vodka cranberry. You've got a Corona. Woo! Chug, chug, chug. I wish I could do that. I cannot. Mm -mm. Oh, it takes good practice. Most beautiful woman I have ever seen. I really want to know who came in first. I really want to know. I didn't look it up, but I wish I would have. You know what? I'll bet you it was someone who didn't kill their child. And that's the hottest trait of all when you're not a child killer. So sexy. Bam. Mr. Savage also said. I love him. That he's fantastic. He is a fantastic. He also said that her behavior was unlike anything he had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And we're, yeah. After she had finally reported her daughter missing he said she quote partied like a rock star yep and he also it's ridiculous he god he's so fascinating he also and i'm sure you know this he did say this was the worst case he has ever yeah. worked on yeah and it was the last case he ever worked on in the field. Yeah. Because he, he was, was so... It was his last case. He was so traumatized by... He was one of the people who found Kaylee. Well, he didn't find her, but he was one of the people who reported to the scene first. And hear, yep. hearing him talk about walking up to the to the remains, he just... It just washed over him. He was like, oh my God, I failed you. And that made me so sad because it was... <laughs> It's like you didn't fail her, Nick. In, in that, no, and that's and you know what he, and you know what he said that really, really touched me was it was when he explains why it's his worst case. He mm -hmm. says, it's, "I didn't deliver justice for this little girl. This little girl deserved justice, and oh. she didn't get it." Yeah. And she still and hasn't I wish to this I day. I could have done more. Ugh. And you want to know what? And yeah. Her killer still walks the streets. Exactly. And he didn't deliver this little girl justice. And it destroys him every day. And, and he still has nightmares to this day. And it just. It's horrible. It's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because there's so many men and women that devoted their lives to this case. But to listen yeah. to this man speak yeah. on how it's personally affected him and how it's taken his career after it, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty compelling. It's truly compelling. And it really Nick, FBI Nick Savage is a pretty cool name. He's I mean, a wonderful man. Like, and, that's a pretty cool it, that's a pretty and, name. And you want to know something, Whitney? It really speaks to it really speaks to how many of these investigators, searchers, law enforcement people 
they all were heartbroken over this and they would look at these pictures of Kaylee and be like, who would want to hurt this sweet little baby? They were all devastated by it. And all of these strangers, all of these people who never knew Kaylee before she died cared about her more than her own mother did and were more devastated by her death than her own mother was. And, yeah. And this is why I have vodka, because it just, it, huh, it hurts me inside. It just, oh. Even if you believe that she didn't kill Kaylee, there is no denying that she knew her daughter was gone in some capacity, and she did absolutely nothing. So, and if you're fine with, yeah, if you're the kind of person who's fine with that, who's like, okay, I don't care, then okay, but I'd like to think that most people have better morality than that. So... I don't know. Okay, well, then I don't even think you should be able to have a fucking cockroach as a pet. Yeah, exactly. You're so bad. Like, you should not have that. You should not have And that, yeah. You're a fucking scumbag. And that, that cannot be denied. Because Casey herself, at trial, went with the whole drowning story. Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's... We're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll be able to talk about the trial in part two. This is going to be Hear No Evil's first two-parter. Whitney will be on episode two as well. Of course. I would not want to do this with anybody else. Dun, dun, dun. So, yes, she comes in second place at the Hot Body Contest. Um, and, and the people who were there with her, her friends, were like, oh, yeah, she was totally conked out on Xanax. We all were. So... I mean, it's proof right there. She is now consistently taking Xanax as a party drug. Now, on June 18th, so this was actually before the hot body contest. On June 18th, two days after Kaylee disappeared, Casey returned to the Anthony home and borrowed a shovel from a neighbor. And this is confirmed. The neighbor says yes. Kaylee, I mean, Casey asked me to borrow a shovel. On June 23rd, three days after the hot body contest, so at this point, Kaylee has been gone for seven days. Casey runs out of gas because she's always running out of gas because she doesn't have any money because she doesn't have a fucking job. (laughs) She runs out of gas and goes back to George and Cindy's house. And Tony helps her break into George and Cindy's shed so that she can steal a couple of gas cans. George was keeping the gas cans in the shed for Casey because Casey was constantly running out of gas and George had to go bail her out. I mean, yeah. So she breaks into this shed, steals the property of her parents, and the next day, George notices the shed has been broken into and the gas cans are missing, so he calls the police and reports it. Later that day, Casey returns home, and George sees her outside. So he's like, what the fuck? There you are. He goes outside to, like, confront her at the car. Casey runs ahead of him, opens the trunk, pulls the empty gas cans out, slams the trunk shut, before George can get anywhere near it, throws the gas cans at him and says, here's your fucking gas cans, and then drives away. So Casey 
When she saw George, when Casey saw George making his way towards the car, she freaked the fuck out, made sure he didn't get anywhere near it. She literally took the empty gas cans out of her car and threw them so that George would not come near the car and then jumped back in and drove away. Why do you think? I wonder why she did that. I wonder what she was hiding in her trunk that she didn't want her father to see. I wonder. I fucking wonder. So the next day, not the next day, um, three days later, three days after this incident, Casey runs out of gas again, and this time she abandons her car at a check a check cashing station. Um, now here's the thing. Up until this point, other people had started to notice that the car really fucking reeked. So her brother Lee took a ride in it. Now, Casey has a 1989, no, a 1998 Pontiac Sunfire. Um, her brother Lee rode in the car with her and he told Casey, your car smells like death. It smells like something died in here. And Casey's like, oh... Some squirrels crawled up into my engine and died. So weird, right? But then the next day, not the, my father. Mm, wait, quote Danny. My mm, father must have hit a squirrel. That was a different story. She told two different stories. She told she told Lee that two squirrels had crawled up into her engine and died, and she told a friend of hers that her dad had borrowed the car and hit a squirrel, and that some of the squirrel had gotten stuck to the front grate of the car. Why are you telling two different stories? Just tell the fucking truth. If there is a truth, that's explainable, well, but there's mean, not. She had to admit she killed her daughter. Right, exactly. Riding around with her in the trunk of her car. Now, I believe the reason Casey abandoned the car was not only because she ran out of gas again, but also because the smell was getting overwhelming. And when she abandoned it, she abandoned it next to a dumpster in this parking lot. So... I can't help but think maybe her thought was, if I leave it here, the smell from the dumpster will cover it up. And the fact that she parked next to a dumpster will come up in the next episode. I, it's actually quite important, and it plays into my theory of what happened, but I'm not going to go there right now. So, oh, also, I should say that while this, this during this 31 days that Casey was gone, um... She stole a checkbook from one of her friends and went around town that month using it to write hot checks, eventually amounting to $630. So she stole $630 from her friend. I mean, this is the kind of person she is. She does not give a fuck about anybody but herself and damned the consequences because she doesn't care. I mean... It's just ridiculous. So she abandons the car. On June 30th, the car is towed and impounded and the Anthonys are contacted. So George goes to the impound lot to get the, to get the car. He's fucking pissed because he's like, are you fucking kiss, kidding me? Casey takes off in my car, steals, because technically the car was still owned by the Anthonys. It, Casey did not own the car. So she technically stole the car, broke into her parents' shed to steal gas cans that they bought for her to bail her out because she was always running out of gas. George is fucking pissed at this point. He gets to the impound lot, and George is a retired officer who used to work in the homicide division. 
he has smelled dead, decomposing flesh before. And he immediately said, he even said to the impound guy, he even said, it smells like death. It smells like a fucking dead body. So George opens the trunk of the car thinking he's going to find Casey and Kaylee in there. Because he hasn't seen Casey either. Like, he's worried about Casey too at this point. He's like, maybe, maybe she's in there. He opens the trunk and it's just garbage. Rotting garbage. But here's the thing is that rotting garbage <laughs> doesn't smell like rotting bodies. They, you, they don't smell the same. I've never smelled a rotting body, but from what I understand... It does not smell like garbage. Not even close. It's very different. But if that's the first you run, the first thing you run into, you're George. That's the first thing you're like, hey, you open the trunk and you find a bag of piece of garbage. Right. Obviously, you're not going to dig much further because you're like, hey, that's it. Good. My daughter's yeah. not in the trunk, and we move along. And we move along. Absolutely everything. Unfortunately. None of us would. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing is that in George's case, like, he's already kind of been in this constant state of denial his whole life with his daughter. And I think, I think this was the very first thing that kind of like started to shake his resolve. This was one of the very first things that kind of slapped him in the face and made him think to myself, and made him think to himself, oh my God, Casey might be a monster. Um, but he still doesn't want to believe it at this point. So George drives the Sunfire back to the house. And he's like, Cindy, we got to fucking find Casey. Because something is wrong. Um, somehow, Cindy tracks down Casey at Tony's apartment. I'm not really sure how that worked out. Maybe Casey told her where she was. I'm not really sure. I think actually some friends told Cindy where Casey was like Casey literally just thought she'd be able to disappear and no one would ever question where she was and where Kaylee went like did she really think no one was ever gonna notice that's how little Kaylee's life meant to her she got I guess she just thought everyone would forget about it um so Cindy finds Kaylee she wishes I wish I wish we had found Kaylee just forget about Casey. I only want Kaylee. God, if we could have somehow brought Kaylee into this world without Casey Anthony ever having to be born, that would have been fucking fantastic. Anyway, so now, so Cindy's like, hey, where the fuck have you been? Um, also, where's Kaylee? And Casey's like, she's with Zanny. So Cindy's like, great, let's go see Zanny because I haven't seen my granddaughter in over a month. And Casey's like, no. She's, I don't need to take you to Zanny. Like, Kaylee's fine. Stop freaking out, Mom. So Cindy, I feel like Cindy was trying to do, like, a tough love thing. Like, she, she was trying to do, like, a tough love scared straight kind of tactic or something like that. She makes her first 911 call at 8.01 p.m. on, oh, I should really say the date. So this is, this is June 30th that all of this is happening. So Kaylee has been gone for a month. Um, no, not June 30th. No, that's when they found the car. I'm sorry. Um, they find Casey on, they find Casey on July 15th. So it's been a full month. Um, Cindy makes her first 911 call at 8.01 p.m. while sitting in the car with Casey. So Casey is next to her. She calls 911. 
Now, this first 911 call is when she says that weird shit where she's like, I have someone with grand theft sitting in my auto. Have you heard that before? <laughs> she, she, that's because I'm pretty sure she's on Danny's too. <laughs> it just makes no sorry, sense. Sorry, but it makes no sense. It's but the... if you listen to this woman talk, she, between her 911 calls, between her jailhouse calls, between her interviews, you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. You, you really Well, what's interesting about this first 911 call is that she does not mention Kaylee at all to the dispatcher. She doesn't say, I haven't seen my granddaughter in 31 days. It's all about the car at this point. So she's accusing Casey of stealing her car. She wants Casey to be arrested. But here's the interesting thing. Um... Now, she doesn't say this directly to the dispatcher. It's kind of more like a, a, a comment to herself, a comment to Casey. But she says, and then we'll, and then we'll have to file something for a, the child thing, and you'll never, like, she's basically, like, she's saying, we're going to file a court order. We are going to get Kaylee. I'm done doing this with you. She's like, and we'll have a court order to get her if that's how you want to play. She's talking to Casey. And, and then you'll never see her again. And you'll, you'll never, never see, see her see again. again. Exactly. And then you can hear Casey. I whoa, it just went dark in there. <laughs> and then what's interesting is that you can hear Casey clearly say, "Give me one more day." And Cindy responds, "No, I've given you a month." So Casey's literally sitting there like, "Just give me one more day and then I'll show you where Kaylee is." Like, "Bitch, no. That's not how this works." <laughs> It's, it's been a month from a grandmother's point of view, whether month, she defends bitch. her daughter. Like, oh my God. My dog is going crazy. <laughs> um, whether she defends her daughter or too much, she at least knows, hey, it's been a month since I've seen my granddaughter that I'm used to spending every moment with. Right. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. I've given you 30 days to produce my granddaughter mm -hmm. to me, and you have yet to do it. And you're telling me... She has a little bit yeah. of sense at this point. Right. Right. Now... Oh, Chili, stop so, it. <laughs> so the dispatch says to her, go go home and call 911 from there. And then we can ha you can have someone come to your house. She's like, okay. So they go home. Cindy makes her second 911 call at 8.44 p.m. She's still pretty calm. She's still fo uh, mostly focused on the car. She still wants Casey to be arrested for stealing the car. This time she says that Casey has stolen money from her. She has bank statements and affidavits. She wants to bring her in. She wants to charge her with theft. And then almost as like, kind of like a, a side note, she says, and we possibly have a missing child. I have not seen my granddaughter in a month. Um... But it's not, it's not super concerning quite yet. However, at one point, the dispatcher says, is the mother refusing to tell you where she is? And Cindy says, yes. So Cindy is asking Kaylee, she, uh, Casey, she's like, where is Kaylee? Where is she? And Cindy will, I, and God damn it. I get their names mixed up so much. <laughs> oh, these names. Like, why did you guys do this to us? You want to know why I think they did that? Did you know that, so it's. The, it's the asshole. 
it's Cindy Marie Anthony, Casey Marie Anthony, and Kaylee Marie Anthony. It's just, it's just more control. It's just more, you are devoid of your own personality because I, you are going to be what I want you to be. It's very... She'd be a good, she, you know what, Danny? She'd be a good cult leader. Like, she, like, she would be. Series. She'd be a, a great... Cult leader. I can think... I wouldn't follow her because... I would not follow her. Eh. I would want her to die. Would, <laughs> David Koresh. David Koresh. You know, I would follow David Koresh Come over in. Casey Anthony. I would... I would. Good old potato lord. Good old potato lord. That's the only cult leader I need. That's the second phone call. It's still very chill. Not really focused on Kaylee. An hour later, Cindy calls 911 for the third time at 9.41 p.m. And this is panic. This is chaos. This is... If you listen to Cindy's voice, she sounds fucking terrified. Like, she, I don't think she's faking that. Because I think she truthfully at that minute knows. I think that she knows that Casey did something. Yeah. But she wants to cover for her daughter. Mm -hmm. And she still wants her granddaughter. But at the same time, I truthfully Mm -hmm. believe in the back of her mind, in her subconscious, she knows that Casey killed her. I think Casey something to do with why she's gone it's so crazy because um in this it's almost as if like the this this shock this anger this realization of oh my god something truly awful has happened finally brings the truth out of cindy for a minute because this is the phone call where she says quote there's something wrong I found my daughter's car today and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. And Cindy's a nurse. Cindy knows what dead bodies smell like. Again, George knows. Cindy knows. They would not say it smelled like a dead body if it didn't smell like a dead body. They know. Um, so the dispatch asks for Casey to talk to them. Casey comes on the line. And this is my fucking, the impression from the video where she's just like. I was going to say, give me your best Casey. Give me your best Casey. Right? <laughs> okay, okay. So dispatch, she gets on the phone with dispatch and she literally goes, hello. <laughs> Hi. And then the dispatch is like, can you, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on there? And Casey's is like, my daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. Now, notice how she says missing. She does not say my daughter has been kidnapped. She does not say my daughter has been taken. She says my daughter is missing. That's important because if she were We're telling the people. Yep, that's important. Um, So she's like, I, oh, and also on this 911 call. So the dispatch is like, why are you only reporting this now? Which is a fair question. And, (laughs) and Casey's like, I've been searching for her myself and going through other means and resources to find her, which was stupid. I sh- that was silly. I shouldn't have done that. Silly me. <laughs> There's just no sense of urgency. There's no sense of urgency. There's no concern. And in this, in this 911 call, and I cannot believe this is not more widely reported because I heard it. 
with my own two ears, in the 911 call, Casey says, I received a call today and spoke with my daughter on the phone for a minute, but when I tried to call the number back, it was no longer in service. So she claims to have talked to Kaylee. That's a lie. Kaylee's already dead at this point. You can't, you cannot call a number within three seconds. And it, yeah. It doesn't no. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. A phone doesn't even turn off that fucking bell, people. A phone doesn't turn off that bell. It's ridiculous. Oh god, it just makes me want. Now, when police arrive at the Anthony house, they question Casey, Cindy, everybody. Cindy is apparently just in a fucking rage. She's angry. She's shocked. George is trying to keep her calm. Casey is sticking to the Zanny the Nanny story. Um, They, right. Police officers are like, let's go to Zanida's. Oh, I haven't even said, wow, I'm super dumb. So I I just assume that everybody knows because this story has been so widely reported. But Casey claims that Kaylee had a babysitter named Zanida Gonzalez, um, whom she called Zanny the Nanny. Everybody, literally everyone, 13 and 12-year-olds know that Zanny is a street name for Xanax. Everybody knows that. I mean, it's not even original. She barely tried. It's just like... You haven't even tried to cover your tracks. Right. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so she's like, she's with the babysitter, Zanida Gonzalez. Um, I dropped Kaylee off at Zanida Gonzalez's apartment this morning. And when I came back to get her, they were both gone. They're like, okay, let's go to Zanida's apartment. So they go to this apartment complex. Casey gives them the directions, the building, the apartment number. As they're driving to the apartment, she is describing Zanida Gonzalez in perfect and specific detail. She's describing her apartment in elaborate and specific detail. But when they get to the apartment complex... They find out that not only does 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 does, does, does I can't talk <laughs> when they get to the apartment. Zanida, they find out that not only does a Zanida Gonzalez not live at that apartment and never has, but that specific apartment has been vacant for over a month. And Casey's response is, "Huh, that's weird." <laughs> Well, and you want to know something else about Zenaida Gonzalez that I learned from another source? So I listened to Last Podcast on the Left, which is my other favorite podcast. I only have two podcast loves, and they are Necronomapod and Last Podcast on the Left. Um, but in, in that episode that they did on Casey Anthony, apparently Casey had told investigators that she had gotten Zenaida's name and number from a friend of hers who had used Zenaida as a babysitter. So then they go to that friend because they're like, okay, maybe this friend knows where Zenaida is. And this friend says, uh, no, not only do I not know a Zenaida Gonzalez and did not refer her to Casey Anthony as a babysitter, I don't even have a kid. Like, that's how far Casey's lies would go. I mean, it's... She's a... Great liar. She's yeah. A phenomenal liar. She's, 
she's demented. She's demented. I mean, there's no other word the for it. The woman is demented. Now, here's the thing. Uh, oh, and Casey, Casey took police officers to two other locations that night. One was a nursing home. Zenaida is supposed to be a 25-year-old woman. Obviously, she's not going to be there. Um, and then she takes... I take- mean, that doesn't make sense to you, Danny. Oh, no, it makes total, total you stuff. Yeah, of course, obviously. I mean, you, you wouldn't take, like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take a 25-year-old to a nursing home? Like, what's wrong with you? Right? And, um, you want to know interesting about that, though? Is that, remember when we said that Cindy took Kaylee to a nursing home the day before she disappeared to visit her great-grandfather? Yeah, I wonder... And they filmed it, and it's very uncomfortable, and poor little Kaylee is sitting on her, like, 89-year-old grandfather's lap. She just looks terrified, poor little thing. But but that kind of makes me wonder, maybe that location or a nursing home location came into Casey's mind because she was like, well, technically, that's one of the last places Kaylee was. So, I don't know. It's it, it's so weird. It's like little kernels of truth kind of, like, slip their way into her lies. It, it, the, the whole, yes, it's the nuggets of truth. Mm-hmm. It's the nuggets of truth mm-hmm. that she wants. These huge lies. Yeah. That you question because she's such a great liar. She, that you yeah. question if she really is truthful. Well, and here's another thing that I want, I want, I so, again, last podcast on the left, big shout out to Marcus Parks, one of my big podcast crushes. But his thing about Casey Anthony, he said, he was like, Casey Anthony is really great at the telling of the lie, but not so great at the execution. Because every time she tries to execute one of her lies, like, oh yeah, go to this apartment, that's where Zenaida lives, or let's go to Universal Studios, that's where I work. As soon as she does that, everything falls apart. She's great at telling the lie and getting people to believe her, but the lie falls apart so quickly because it's so obviously blatantly not true and not grounded in reality. So it's just very interesting. Now, on this night at 1.05 a.m., Casey uh, gives her first full written statement to police. And I have the entire thing here. I'm not going to read it, obviously, because it's it's about three and a half pages long. But that's the other thing. The length within itself is ridiculous. It's about three and a third pages long. And she's supposed to be accounting for 31 days that Kaylee's been missing. First of all, in the statement, she refers to Kaylee as being missing a lot, not... And actually, the first time she even mentions it, she doesn't, again, she doesn't say taken, she doesn't say stolen, she doesn't say kidnapped. She says missing. A lot. Secondly, she she refers to Kaylee as my daughter way more times than she actually says Kaylee's name. So that could be like kind of like a psychological thing where she's like trying to show ownership of Kaylee or she's trying to be like, oh, she's my daughter. So of course I love her. Of course I would never do anything to hurt her because she's my daughter. Um, and then the final. So wait, Danny, are you telling me she's controlling like her mother? Right. Casey controlling? No. Casey wants no. people to think better about her than than is actually true? No. 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 Oh, 
Casey oh wouldn't gosh. do but that. I'm right now, honey. Casey literally said in the thing, she was like, I have lied and stolen from my friends and family in order to do everything I possibly can to find Kaylee. I have been going to popular shopping malls and restaurants. She literally wrote this in the thing. She was like, I've been going to popular shopping malls and restaurants looking for Kaylee. Like, that's been my fucking tactic. That's how I've been trying to find my my missing daughter. It's mind-boggling. I mean, isn't that where you went? Is, I mean, anybody that has a missing two-year-old is right. totally going to a shopping mall. Come right. On, no. But but interestingly enough, there are surveillance videos from those 31 days. I saw a couple of surveillance videos of Casey going into a Walmart, going into a Target. It's not like she's going in there and canvassing and giving people flyers and being like, I'm looking for my daughter. Can you help, my, help me find my daughter? She is grabbing a cart and going shopping. No sense of urgency. She looks like she's having a dandy old time. She's not looking for her daughter. She's not. <laughs> like, it's, oh, it's Well, just... if you had grandma's checks, wouldn't you want to go shopping? <sighs> I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand. Your daughter even if you didn't kill her, she's gone, Casey. Do something. Look for your kid. I mean, oh my God. All right, we're going to end on this because <laughs> let's talk about. Let's, we're going to, we're, we're, we're a little worked up right now. So right. Yeah, but, maybe we should end on July 16th, 2006. Well, actually, I, I, I would, if you don't mind. I would like to end with the Universal Studios story just because I find it absolutely hilarious. <laughs> oh, this is gonna—it's like one of my favorites. I it's one of my favorite things. For next week. Oh my god! You you want to save it for next week? No. No. Oh, okay. Let's sweet. Sweet. Because it's super. I mean, this is like the only part of the story that I can allow myself to laugh at because this, in my opinion, is fucking hilarious. So, this is great. This is this is good. So Casey, as we all know, was pretending to be an event planner at Universal Studios for two years. Now, the next day, so July sixteenth, um, well, it was technically not the next day; it was that morning because they eventually took Casey home, and they were like, "Okay, there's nothing more we can do tonight. Go to sleep. We'll resume the search in the morning." The next morning, they were like, "Casey, did you tell anybody?" about Kaylee's disappearance and she goes yes I did I told some of my co-workers at Universal Studios so they go to Universal Studios um they go up to a security guard and Casey gives the security guard her, her name and he's like uh yeah no we don't have anybody by the name of Casey Anthony who works here and her fucking response is no check again I definitely work here you're wrong check again like that, the balls on this woman, the balls on this woman, just, oh my God. I can't imagine being able to lie with that much confidence and ease. It's insane. I, I, I don't even, I, I don't even know how to lie, let alone lie this fucking well. I can't lie. I literally can't. Oh, I need another drink. My face gives me it, away. It's not, like, Oh, yeah. My face will give me away. My face it's gives awful. me away every time. What my mouth doesn't 
Right. Mm-hmm. I almost all, yeah, it's impossible. So the security guard is like, uh, no. Casey gives a fake supervisor name with a fake office extension. All of it. And he's looking in his computer. He's like, no, no, none of that. No. The security guard calls the supervisor. And the supervisor is like, okay, there are cops and detectives here. There's a child that's missing. Something's going on. I'm going to let her in. And I think he was trying to do the right thing. Like, in his mind, he was like, okay, a kid is missing. Right. I'm going to let these people in, you know, do whatever I can to help. Casey is just walking up and down the hallways of this place, fucking waving to people and being like, hi, you know. I mean, and again, I can't take credit for this. You got to listen to the last podcast on the left, people, if you have it, because in this, because um, that's actually where I get my Casey Anthony voice from, is from the comedian in that show when he makes fun of her. So he does this thing where Casey's walking up and down the hallway and she's like, see, and this is this, this carpet right here. This carpet has squares on it and there's a plant in that corner over there. And that's Brad's office or Steve's office or it's Brad, Steve, it's Bradley Steve's office. And this water, this water cooler and I, we have stories, you know, like it's just, it's so, she's trying so hard to make it real and it's not, and eventually what happens is Casey rounds a corner and is faced with a dead end, she has nowhere else to go, and she just sheepishly turns around and looks at the detectives and goes, yeah, I don't, I don't work here. She did work there for a short time, but she was not an event planner. I don't remember what she did, but it was kind of like a menial job, like not really doing anything very important. But she got fired because she's a shitty worker. (laughs) All right, everybody. Whitney and I, unfortunately, have personal lives that we need to attend to. She has a beautiful and wonderful son that she needs to spend time with. I have a beautiful, wonderful Missy and Jamie that I need to eat pizza with. Um, but just final thoughts on what we've discussed so far. Whitney, anything you'd like to share? I I think as much as we joke around and we've had fun with this and you and your Casey impersonation. It's so fun, fun to make fun of her. It's so fun. <laughs> understand about I got you bitch <laughs> and here's the thing I'm everybody I understand okay? right I understand that she was acquitted but I'm just gonna say this not this not guilty is not the same thing as innocent she was not found innocent in a court of law I love saying that in a court of law 
Thank you once again for joining us for this episode of Hear No Evil. We will be back next week with part two of the Kaylee Anthony case. Please go follow me on Instagram at Hear No Evil Pod so you can get updates on episodes and other projects I'm working on. Um, and if you are interested, uh, please DM me um, a picture of your cute pet because I'm going to start doing Hear No Evil's weekly cute pet contest. Um, so, and I mean like any kind of pet. Furry, scaly, um, something that lives in water, <laughs> really anything. Um, if you have a pet rock that's particularly adorable, send me a picture of your pet rock. So, um, yes, I hope to see you all again next week for another episode of Hear No Evil. Bye!